Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about how over-resting can actually slow down your recovery from a running injury. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. Is over-resting slow in your recovery? Well, it might be. Sitting still is a killer for athletes. Not only does it bum you out, but a long period of immobilization can actually increase your chances of having another injury later. A few days ago, I got a call from an athlete who'd been unfortunate enough to have a serious injury that required surgery. So when he called me, he already had surgery and was well on the way to recovery. What he happened to have in common with most of the people listening to this podcast is that his doctor told him he needed to rest in order to recover strict rest, as in sit on the couch and do nothing sort of rest. After six weeks of rest, he felt like the rest was killing him, and he had just been told by his doctor that he needed another month or so of rest before he could start regaining strength and becoming active again. Understandably, he became frustrated, so he called me. Now, he very clearly explained that he was dying sitting around doing nothing, and he could not see how he could sit around for another month or so without any activity. The first thing he asked is whether or not I might be able to help him. Given that he would have to pay out of pocket for the consultation, that certainly is a reasonable question, but I get that question a lot. When other doctors used to ask me what I do, I would simply answer, I help injured runners run. But to be a little more clear, my answer to this particular injured athlete was, I specialize in helping athletes develop customized plans which will permit healing yet maintain fitness. If you're a runner and you've ever been injured and you actually went to see a doctor, you probably got some sort of lecture about the necessity of rest. You may have even been scolded for your dedication to fitness. You need to slow down. You need to calm down. You have to sit still. Has a doctor ever said any of these things to you? Well, I've had doctors tell me these sorts of things, and frankly, they all sound like the sorts of things I tell my nine-year-old son when he's had too much sugar. Often, they're uttered with the same annoyed paternalistic tone. The first thing I will tell you is that your doctor is actually thinking about your best interests when she tells you to stop all exercise. She actually believes rest is best. And just to be clear, I do believe strict rest is important after a severe injury or immediately after surgery, but only for a very brief period of time. When I do foot surgery on a runner or a triathlete, I tell them they need to prepare themselves for two days of suffering. Rent lots of movies, buy a couple of books, but be prepared to sit still with the foot elevated for the first 48 hours after surgery. But most athletes are so healthy and heal so quickly, they only need a matter of days of true strict rest. Athletes don't need weeks or months of strict rest. In fact, what I would argue is that the standard approach of strict immobilization and bed rest is completely counterproductive to the long-term goals of every runner who has become severely injured or has to have foot surgery. Most patients I see who develop overtraining injuries are lifelong athletes. They may not have all competed in the Olympics, but what they all have in common is that they have been moving and active their entire lives. I believe that a physiologic result of a life of physical activity is that endurance athletes are physiologically different from sedentary patients. I believe runners heal differently than normal patients, and I believe normal treatments should be administered to normal patients, not runners. The first thing is that runners get stressed when they rest. Have you ever taken a long period of time off of running? Have have you ever stopped running for a week or a month? How did you feel? Did you get angry? Did you get grumpy? Did you get depressed? Have any of your athletic friends been injured? Have any of your running buddies ever had to stop running? What about them? Did they actually become clinically depressed after they suffered an injury and had to stop all activity? If so, it's really not surprising. A study published in the International Journal of Sports Medicine reported increased levels of stress hormones when athletes stop working out. 
Sedentary people don't get these increases in stress hormones just from inactivity. You, as a runner, react differently when you sit still. Even your brain chemistry gets thrown off. Another study published in the Annals of Behavioral Medicine reported exercise training was correlated not only with significant reductions in depressed mood and fatigue, but more importantly, reduced levels of the stress hormone cortisol when compared with those randomized to a control group. So when you're bummed out sitting around doing nothing as you recover, you may actually have higher levels of cortisol. If it's true that higher levels of cortisol and other stress hormones slow healing, then in theory, when you get stressed out, when you're sitting around doing nothing, not exercising, you may take longer to heal. Now, the next thing is that movement facilitates recovery. One of the many benefits of physical activity is the tissues become better perfused. What I mean by that is that you have increased blood flow when you move any portion of your body. When you have surgery, or for that matter, even just a severe running injury, the tissue damage creates a pool of metabolic junk. You can think of it as pulverized tissue debris, which is essentially garbage in your injured foot. That garbage has to be removed. By increasing blood flow through an extremity, you can essentially flush out that garbage. If you're sitting still, then you have to rely on your white blood cells to work their way down there and gobble up all the garbage one cell at a time. Now, the third thing is that micromotion can help fractures and bone heal faster. As foot surgeons, when we do surgery on a patient and apply a frame called an external fixator to stabilize a reconstructed foot and ankle, we all follow a pretty simple routine. What I'm talking about here are those frames. You, know, you may have seen one of these where they're big circular metal rings and a U-shaped foot plate surrounding the foot and ankle and the leg. Steel pins go through the frame connecting the bones by running the metal rods and pins straight through the leg at all different angles. The external frame holds the foot and ankle in a very stable position. They are, in fact, so stable that the patient can even walk walk on it while it heals. Now, when we reposition the bones, we need them to heal in a different position. We have to hold the healing bones still so that they can start healing. But within a few weeks, you get enough healing at all those fracture and bone fusion sites that the bones begin to gain enough stability that they can actually tolerate a small amount of motion. Interestingly, if we loosen the frame a little bit so the wires can move a tiny bit, it creates micromotion across the healing sites and it actually accelerates the healing process. If you don't loosen the frame and you keep everything locked up, it takes longer to heal. The bottom line is that motion can help healing bones heal faster. A study published in the medical journal Injury reported tibial fractures, which is your shin bone, they healed about four weeks faster when micromotion was allowed compared to those healing with no motion. Now just think about that for a second. How much fitness would you lose with an entire extra month of sitting on the couch? How much weaker and grumpier would you be? If you have a fracture, you need to think about and ask your doctor about how micromotion can help your fracture heal faster. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You know, I have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. 
Two, he's gonna be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are gonna result in more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. If you have a fracture, you need to think about and ask your doctor about how micromotion can help your fracture heal faster. Micromotion doesn't just help bones heal either. Motion also helps tendons, ligaments, and torn joint capsules, which are all made up largely of collagen. We know that motion can help collagen remodel and become stronger. Whenever you tear a ligament, a plantar plate, the Achilles tendon, the plantar fascia, or a joint capsule, you actually rip apart the collagen fibers. Some research has shown that a similar process of stressing structures made of collagen, which actually comprises an enormous proportion of structures which get injured from overtraining injuries in running, can help the collagen heal faster. Immobilization is the enemy of healing athletes. A study published in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery reported that when ligaments are injured and immobilized, immobilization leads to a greater percentage of disorganized collagen fibrils, decreased structural properties of the healing collagen, decreased mechanical properties of the ligament substance, and even slower recovery of the resorbed insertion sites where the ligaments actually attach to bones. Of course, to you, the injured runner, that means the structures which have quote-unquote healed while you are stuck in that cast are just plain weaker than when allowed to heal with a little motion. Of course, you don't want to apply too much motion. You don't want to apply so much force you rip the healing collagen apart, but you do want to apply gentle, little, repetitive applications of force sufficient to stimulate remodeling of the collagen. There's also a theory that the repetitive slight stretching of those tissues uh, can help to increase blood flow in the area. But we're talking about micromotion, very small motions, very small forces with very small stresses. But if applied correctly, micromotion should help accelerate the healing process following a running injury, particularly if the injury happens to involve a tendon, a bone, a ligament, or a joint capsule. If that's true, it seems like it would be a good idea to have a recovery plan that involves a period of applied micromotion at the appropriate healing interval. You want to start the micromotion right when it will help you the most. The last thing, of course, is that strict rest puts you at higher risk of another overtraining injury. I realize I've probably beaten this one to death in earlier podcast episodes, but just to retouch on this, you need to understand several things happen when you've become immobilized in a fracture walking boot or you've been condemned to a sentence of several weeks on crutches. Number one, your bones get weaker because you're not applying force. Doctors call this disuse osteopenia. You actually lose bone density and the bones get weaker. Number two, your foot and ankle become stiffer as little strands of collagen or scar tissue start forming around all of those tendons and joints that aren't moving. Number three, your muscles become weaker because you're not using them. Muscle atrophy may not only be temporary. If severe enough, it can become permanent. Number four, your neuromuscular connections start fading away. All of the coordination of movement, the intensified coordinated instructions when your brain tells your foot and ankle to move, it all starts to diminish when you become immobilized. If you're not using the muscle groups, they don't continue to fire in unison. You become uncoordinated. 
And it takes a long time to rebuild all those neuromuscular connections once you've shut them off with a cast or a fracture walking boot. Number five, your aerobic fitness vanishes. This problem is pretty obvious. If you sit on the couch for six weeks, your aerobic fitness is going to suffer. So we don't need to really talk about this one. The very worst part of this equation is all of these things together add up to increased risk of future injury. So if you're a runner, it seems all the more important to hound your doctor and get her to help you identify ways to stay active. You need to fight for your fitness when you're injured. Given all the obvious benefits of physical activity when you're recovering from an injury, it just makes sense that it's worth putting all the effort, thought, and creativity into developing a plan of activity that will support and facilitate your recovery while permitting healing to take place. The goal of developing this sort of active recovery plan is to make sure that you choose the appropriate exercise and appropriate amounts of exercise. All of this, of course, can be aligned with appropriate nutrition and periods of rejuvenating rest. So here are the five questions you should ask your doctor when you've been told strict rest is necessary. Number one, when would it be best to add some activity just to elevate my heart rate without stressing my injured foot? Number two, wouldn't adding swimming, cycling, or maybe some light upper body workouts at the gym help remove all the metabolic waste accumulating in my foot? Number three, if not today, when would you anticipate there'd be enough collagen stabilizing my fracture, healing tender, etc., enough that I can safely start doing some light exercise? Number four, what can I do to fight the inevitable stiffness, weakness, and loss of coordination that will put me at higher risk of re-injury later? Number five, which exercises or activities are safe for me to do right now, today? There has to be something I can do. Which ones? Do the math. It's just stress. Make sure the stress you apply is worth it. One common recommendation doctors will give you after you've been in a fracture walking boot or crutches for six weeks is they'll tell you that you can start activity, but they typically write down on the instruction sheet they give you something like this. It'll say maybe okay to walk five to ten minutes. But if you really think about that advice, it's a terrible plan. If you just start walking, you have a whole lot of force applied to your injured foot in a very short period of time. To me, this seems like maximum risk with minimum reward. Here's the way you should think about recommended return to activity. You are a runner. Your goal isn't to walk. Your goal certainly isn't to walk five minutes in your living room or your kitchen. Your goal is to get back to activity, and chances are good that real return to activity for you looks more like running 10 miles on a trail. Real activity is not walking five minutes in your living room. So first of all, walking five or 10 minutes in your house is not going to feel like real activity to you. I think it's more likely to actually just remind you that you're temporarily crippled. The flip side of this, of course, is that the amount of stress you apply to your foot when you walk around in this state of profound weakness, complete discoordination, and crutch-induced or fracture walking boot-induced state of clumsiness is very, very risky. Walking around for a few minutes with unpredictable forces getting loaded through your foot is actually relatively stressful. Everything is weakest right at the end of your period of immobilization, As soon as your doctor takes off that cast, as soon as you stop using crutches, that is the weakest and riskiest time to start full weight bearing in the form of uncoordinated hobbling. Even five minutes of walking in this state is risky. I think it's much better to try to apply stress in ways that are less risky and more productive. I think it's better for athletes to do a longer period of exercise, particularly if it involves some sort of aerobic exercise that will make them actually feel like they're exercising instead of highlighting the fact that they're injured. 
As an aside, we know that if your bones are weaker, you can actually strengthen them just by moving the limb, firing the muscles, even without applying weight. Even if you're on crutches, you can fight the bone loss known to plague athletes who are told they can't walk while healing. In fact, it was reported in the medical journal Current Osteoporosis Reports that disuse osteopenia can be prevented by moving the limb even if you aren't walking on it. The study showed muscle contraction, independent of weight-bearing, could prevent disuse osteopenia and help maintain muscle mass. Better bone mass means lower risk of stress fractures when you get back to running and peak training. Now, if you take the right approach, you can probably apply an equivalent amount of force with a much better form of exercise. The goal of the exercise should be to restore some range of motion, start building or rebuilding your muscle strength, and decrease your stress levels. Again, walking for five minutes after you've been on crutches for six weeks is going to apply a lot of stress to your foot, but it's not going to give you much stress reduction or rebuilding of strength or fitness. So rather than just hobble around for five minutes in the boot, wouldn't you rather get some real exercise but protect the foot and see if you can't get much better bang for your exercise buck? Think about this. How much swimming equals the amount of stress of walking around your home with a fracture boot for five minutes? 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes? How much cycling on a recumbent bike equals the stress of walking around for five or 10 minutes? 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes? Wouldn't you rather swim for an hour or ride an exercise bike for half an hour rather than hobble around your kitchen for five minutes? Which is going to get your blood flowing better? Which is going to reduce your stress more? Which is going to reduce circulating cortisol levels better? Which is going to feel more like progress and real recovery? Now, the point, of course, is that you can choose an activity that applies a limited amount of stress, roughly the equivalent of hobbling around the house for 5 or 10 minutes. If the stress is incorporated into an exercise lasting for 30 to 60 minutes, doesn't it just stand a reason that it's going to help you get on the fast track to healing? You have to keep in mind the post-operative instruction sheets. In general, any pre-written instructions that are handed to you in a doctor's office are not usually written for athletes. Trust me, when I had a standard practice, I did the same thing. I had the standard instructions written out for every standard patient with every standard condition. And rather than explain it all to them, I would just hand them an instruction sheet. And most of the people who get the standard instruction sheet never intend to run anyway. Most of the people who get that instruction sheet, who happen to have had the exact same surgery as you, they're never going to ride a bike for 100 miles. They're never going to run on a trail. And they don't need a recovery plan, which will facilitate them getting to the place where they could ride 100 miles or go run on a trail. Make sure you ask for special instructions that will get you back to running faster. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me. And then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.